You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, fanciful and far out friends. <laughs> Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode four, and of course, I am your humble host, Karen, and along with me, are our crafty and captivating camp of co-host contestants. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Here we have... I'm Colin. Dana. And today we have a special guest. Hi. It is... I'm Courtney. Yay. Yay! Courtney is also a trivia master, but especially she's a serious film buff and movie expert. Which brings us to our quick starter question to start off the show. What movie do you personally think is the best film and why? In terms of in terms of and you know dude where's my car might be my favorite movie to watch but in terms of uh, what you think is like the kind of the cinematic gem right. so, something you would feel comfortable defending to people right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much is what you wanted to get right down to and say yeah dude, dude. sweet it's so many levels what does mine say because he can't dude. see it do you understand it's a tattoo on his back sweet you wouldn't feel comfortable defending that I, I would I would feel comfortable defending it as a fun party movie, but like as a work of serious cinema, I, I you know, I, maybe I'm being judgmental, okay. but no, I wouldn't. All right. So those kinds of films. Yeah. Are... Right, right. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people would say this for me, say The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, and I know, not very original. And if I, if I could if I could cheat a little bit and say one and two as a, as a combination, I would. But I'll stick with one. I if mean, it's if just... you were to choose between one and two, which... Which you know, you I mean, I've probably seen two more than I've seen huh, one, huh. but but I it's hard for me to separate. I, I'm two in a lot of ways. I really like the parallel of telling the two stories. You know, of seeing um, you know Robert De Niro mm-hmm. obviously uh, sort of paralleling the rise of uh, Don Corleone. But but I mean, the first one I think just in terms of just everything about it, it the, the cinematography, um, just the acting. I mean, there is definitely some overacting in the movie, and you know, some of the dialogue. Is is not necessarily uh, um, finely crafted dialogue because it comes from a you know a rather pulpy book. I mean to be perfectly honest, but it's just a great great movie making, great everything. The colors, the the tones. I mean, just the fact that. Um, you know, the fact that Coppola was willing to insist on it being such a dark movie. I mean, visually as well as Yeah, it does seem um, very framed and cramped. It is, and it's and it's a lot of shadows and sepias and browns. Um, and then, I don't know, I mean, but I, I would say it has probably my single favorite scene out of the whole saga, which is the scene... Sonny getting shot and, like, just uh, No, when, when Michael is coming out of the bathroom uh, in the Italian restaurant to perform the hit. And, mm. you know, it's just so well-crafted. He comes out, and you hear the train in the background, and it's sort of, it's really ambiguous whether we're hearing the train rising or are we hearing the blood rushing in Michael's head and it just it reaches this crescendo as he's standing there before he pulls the trigger and you know I won't give anyway too many spoilers here if someone hasn't seen the movie but just it, that scene in particular <laughs> yeah. spoiling a movie <laughs> from, uh, from well over More 30 than, years yeah, ago exactly. 40, 40 years oh ago oh my god 40 years yeah it's 40 I think wow. it just had its 40 yeah, and so it still holds up 1972 that's right yeah and so yeah I think for me that that's what I would have to go with well, piggybacking on your uh, note about, you know, the colors and use of colors, I really, really think Oh Brother, We're Out Thou mm. um, by the Coen Brothers yeah. was fantastic. And it has, you know, personally for me, it has all the elements that I love. Um, <laughs> a good movie for me has to have a killer soundtrack uh, or a yeah. score. Okay. And that the Oh Brother soundtrack is just phenomenal, like really capturing that Dust Bowl, that, that Southern sound. And the movie also captured the kind of the, the 
the pastoral scenes of the South and, and sort of that climate and the acting, definitely. George Clooney as your kind of like cunning, gentleman, charming, kind of oily. <laughs> and I personally love Greek mythology and I love especially the stories about, you know, different heroes going to going through different levels or, right. or labors, that kind of thing. It's kind of like a video game. It's like, oh, we're <laughs> in this world and then we're going different to this bosses, world. Boss <laughs> yeah, levels. exactly. Right, right. And I, I totally love that. And Oh Brother Where Thou Was came out in 2000. About the colors, it was the first major Hollywood uh, movie that was completely digitized in terms of color correction. Ah, is that and true? I would say um, Full, Metal, Full Metal Jacket, um, Kubrick, mm. 1987. I love... Wow, that was 1987? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I love um books about war and movies about war to a certain extent. And what I really liked about um Full Metal Jacket is that it felt very literary and you really go on a journey with this character and you see them over the course of um different stages and over the course of a whole war, not just like focused on one specific battle or one specific fight. Mm. Like the boot camp was fascinating. I was a sociology major, so I like the group dynamics aspect of that movie. Uh, right, uh, right. Yeah, it was super um, powerful, and there's some so messed up, but there's like <laughs> there, there are things that came from that movie that were in popular culture, like the whole miso horny thing. Yeah. scene oh, yes. was in that movie. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah. We would be remiss not to mention that yeah. in a trivia show. Me mm -hmm. so horny. Me love Me you love long, long time. time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> really well crafted that movie. I recommend it to people, even if they don't think they like war movies that it's a great movie right right well another war movie that is on my the top of my list is the english patient which came out in 96 um Does i think that really is... count as a war movie uh, <laughs> well i mean kissing in that movie. <laughs> it is a wartime are movie. you an eight-year-old boy Kara? <laughs> <laughs> maybe mostly just because you know it takes place in war times or the the bulk of the story does i think it's a very well crafted movie in terms of like the cinematography the editing the the acting is really good as well uh, i just remember just the beauty of um of the cinematography most of all as far as a romance goes i don't i'm not a romance movie person but no chick flicks for you no chick flicks for me <laughs> i have a i have a confession to make is i've never seen the english me patient. neither I've oh never my god <laughs> i'm gonna out myself first I'm i've tried a few yourself. times i always fall asleep in that first, like first half hour we're just undermining yeah, Courtney. we're like We've never you know seen her. it is a very quiet movie um i i believe the score is very subtle mm. but it's just a, a solid film in my mm. opinion Gotta add that to my list. Okay, so why I'm asking this is because I actually have the top rated movies from uh, different official lists. Ah. And mm. it's, it's a bit shocking for some of them. So we have the AFI, American Film Institute, top three movies. Mm -hmm. This one seems a little bit more mm, predictable, mm -hmm. let's say. A so more number more Citizen populist. King. Number three is Casablanca. Mm. Okay. Number two is The Godfather. Okay. Oh. All right. And number one is Citizen <laughs> Kane. Mm, oh okay. yeah that is a good movie and on imdb the top three movies rated uh number three is the godfather part two oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> number two is the godfather oh and oh. number one is the shawshank redemption oh. mm, that's funny yeah for me if, if i didn't read this you know i, I would think it's it's susan kane or casablanca yeah um but you know now that 
IMD mentioned, I was like, that was a very good movie. It was, that was, it was. very. It was very good. good. I mean, I, I this is in no way a slight to Shawshank Redemption, but it's I I do kind of feel like I don't know, I wouldn't have pegged it over those other movies. Maybe I just I think mm-hmm. it. I'm curious what other movies were on the list that people were voting for and like why they voted for. You should email us if that's your favorite movie. I want to know more. <laughs> I really like it. I think it hangs together well, but like as your favorite movie, that's. Yeah. yeah. It was by, wasn't it written by Stephen King? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that is based on like, did I enjoy this as a movie or do I think this is a well-crafted movie? Well, so yeah. that kind of ties into the next list, which is uh, Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, the top three, number three is Taxi to the Dark Side. What? What is, what is that? Which is a, a documentary. It's, it's about mm. a, a critical look at the, the Bush administration policy mm. of uh, on torture. Okay. And um, mm-hmm. especially investigating the death of this one particular Afghan uh, taxi driver. Mm. Number two <laughs> is Toy Story 2. <laughs> also oh. at 100%. And then number one is also a documentary, Man on Wire. Yeah, that's right. Oh. I saw that. I yeah. Is another hundred percent right? That, yep. that was a really good one. That is a good documentary. I, I, I do recommend Philippe that. Philippe Petit, who's a tightrope walker, he walked across a, a World Trade Center. Yeah, the tw- the towers. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, the the thing is with IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, they are kind of populist. They are community rated, mm. so it, it, it's a little bit hard to tell, especially with Rotten Tomatoes, because there are several movies who have a hundred percent, but they're rated by how many people have voted. So okay, mm. so the more people, it's higher. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that is interesting. <laughs> All right, um, here we go. Let's uh, start off with our pop quiz hot shot segment, and we have our buzzers right. today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. got Don't some like this that. random trivia pursuit card, and let's start off with geography blue wedge. What tiny country lies between Austria and Switzerland? <laughs> Colin, um, uh, 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 Luxembourg, or uh, um, no, you, you, I already guessed. I already guessed. <laughs> you can only have one answer. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Incorrect. Between Switzerland oh, and oh, I, say it again. Austria. Austria. Give up. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the correct answer is Liechtenstein. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I. I, I, I fixated on the L, yeah. and I, the wrong thing came out Wasn't of my it? mouth. Pink wedge culture. Which TV show is not a remake of a British hit? The Biggest Loser. The Office or Wife Swap? Oh, that was that, that was hard was to call. That was Courtney. <laughs> Biggest loser. Correct. Mm. Yeah. The losing weight thing is a very American thing. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yellow wedge. What did the Dutch ambassador to the United States name after Hillary Clinton in 1994? Hmm. You can figure this out. Uh, Colin. A, a dam? <laughs> <laughs> that, that symbolism is uh, very strange. Incorrect. Dutch. Mm-hmm. Windmill. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Courtney. Uh, windmill? Incorrect. Mm. <laughs> Some cheese. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer is a tulip. Oh, oh, okay. You know what? I almost said his dog, but after like <laughs> like a damn, that was like the worst symbolism. I was like, dog's worse. <laughs> okay, purple wedge. Who dropped out 
of a 2008 Broadway run of Speed the Plow due to mercury poisoning. Oh, that was, uh, that was Jeremy Piven. Yep. Yes. Said to be caused by eating uh, too much sushi. Right, mm-hmm. right. What kind of animal does caprine milk come from? Uh, oh, oh. Colin? I'm going to guess goat. Isn't that the root? Uh, cap, capri is the goat root. Oh, Correct. Nice. Capricorn. Nah, Capra. Right, chupacabra. Right. right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Wait, really? Is chupacabra? Yeah, it means oh. goat sucker. Goat sucker. <laughs> it does. It does. It does. Whoa. Chupacabra. That almost sounds like a, like a curse word. <laughs> goat. You goat sucker. You goat sucker. Uh, Orange Wedge, last question. What RV makers models include the Flying Cloud, International, and Pan America? Winnebago? Incorrect. Ah. Oh, that's what I was going to guess. Oh, now I have another Courtney? Guess. Airstream? Yeah. Correct. Ah. Airstream. Ah. Nice. That's a good one. And we also have our backer questions. This one is from Mr. Barrett Conrad from New Orleans, Louisiana. And his question is, which singer performed the most theme songs for James Bond movies? Oh. Colin. Well, I mean, I know Shirley Bassey is associated with them. I'm going to guess that. Correct. Shirley yeah. Bassey. Yeah. And uh, do you know the songs that um, she sang? Well, let's see. I know she did Goldfinger, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Goldfinger. <laughs> that's, that's my impression. Beautiful. <laughs> um, oh, man. Of course, now I'm blanking on any other ones. <laughs> um, Man with the Golden Gun? No. It uh, is. Sing Goldfinger so... again. Fill <laughs> <laughs> space. Yeah. It's Goldfinger. Diamonds Are Forever, mm. and Moonraker. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. And that was and, one of the later ones, Moonraker, yep. right? Yeah. And uh, Mr. Barrett Conrad is a total James Bond nut. All right, good job, everybody's brains. Let's get into our topic of the week, which is uh, inventions. I woke up to life Every little thing is possible. Which is fascinating. And I, I feel like we're all trivia nuts, and, and trivia nuts all want to know and learn uh, more about the world and how things came to be. Colin, you made us an invention quiz. I uh, did. I did. Ooh. So I got a little invention quiz to start things off here. Yeah. And so I tried to give it a little bit of a theme. So I'll give you guys the, the theme of this invention quiz is, is words. Words. So okay. you, guys, you guys know I'm a word nerd and like etymology and things like that. But, okay. So We're buzzing in? Uh, yeah. So you guys get ready to buzz in. And um, so uh, we'll start off a little bit easy here and warm up. Complete this famous quote for me. This is a quote. Um, I'll even tell you who said it because it'll get a little. It's uh, Henry Ford. Okay. So complete the quote. Wait till I finish. I'll pause. Any customer can have a car painted any color that he wants so long as what? Any customer can have a car. <laughs> you say this is easy. But I'm just blanking. I know. Wait. <laughs> any customer can have a car painted any color that he wants so long as Karen. He buys it? <laughs> Incorrect. Incorrect. Dana. It's a Ford? <laughs> that's, oh, that's good marketing. Clever. I like that. I like that. It runs. <laughs> you guys are all thinking oh, like yeah. marketing people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, his, his, the, the, the statement attributed to him is, any customer can have a car painted any color that he wants so long as it is black. 
Oh. And, and oh. Uh, you know, this uh, this is a quote I've heard, but I've heard it worded differently. But uh, that's how he has it in his autobiography is worded huh. that way. And so I had always heard that, too, is, you know, kind of him being cheeky. It's like, yeah, you can have any color you want as long as it's black. And it's true that the Model T's at the time, they were all black. I'm sorry. He kind of sounds like a... A-hole. <laughs> well, you know, it's, he, he, like many uh, captains of industry of his day, I think he was probably a little prickly. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> part of his, you know, as you know, he's credited with pushing the, the assembly line model. So part of switching to the assembly line model meant he oh. went to black just because it dried the fastest. It was the easiest. And, you know, for obvious reasons, Most it's efficient. a lot more efficient mm-hmm. if you just have one color. A-hole. All right, we'll move on here. <laughs> All right, so uh, the telephone, obviously a uh, huge invention um, and just, you know, kind of swept the country uh, in the late 1870s. Um, and, you know, a lot of technologies bring new vocabularies with them. So when telephones were first becoming popularized, people weren't really sure how to answer the phone. You know, mm-hmm. like it rings, you pick it up, and, and then what? So <laughs> what did Thomas Edison propose as the standard greeting when you pick up the telephone? Oh, I think I've heard this before. Oh, I'm going to guess. Dana. Was it ahoy? Yes, it was. Oh. It was a, a hearty, jaunty ahoy. <laughs> and and all the Simpsons fans in the audience, yes, yeah, so we know that you knew that because that's how Mr. Burns answers the phone. It's yes. uh, oh. what a ahoy ahoy. He has his own little <laughs> twist on it. But yes, he Edison actually did push that you answer the phone with ahoy. And in fact, uh, you know, the, the first telephone operator that was how he would answer the call. But uh, he... It is uh, very hearty. People sometimes say that he invented the word hello for that purpose, but I, I read that that's really hmm. not true, that hello had been in, in use for a long time before that. <laughs> it was funny, I just very quickly little aside here, I was reading a little bit, and uh, one of my favorite writers, Bill Bryson, he wrote about this, and he said that, you know, originally, you know, when we were trying to figure out what to say, uh, talking about what people would pick up instead of ahoy or hello, others said yes or what and, ma- <laughs> and many merely picked up the receiver and listened hopefully <laughs> and I just love that image just breathed heavily <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. creepy yes so yes ahoy some people still do that today <laughs> <laughs> yes and then you, yes, you usually block those people on your phone <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful, Karen. That's uncannily good. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of practice. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, Michael Nesmith um, from the Monkees. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys uh, don't have a picture for you listening. He's he's the one with the wool cap. Um, so he is not an inventor, <laughs> but uh, Michael Nesmith's mother. Michael Nesmith's mother. Mrs. Nesmith. Uh, <laughs> Mama Nesmith, yes. Yeah. Uh, Betty Nesmith Graham, actually. Famously oh. invented what well-known product? Dana was on it again. White out. Yes. Or liquid paper. Yes, yeah. liquid paper. What? Yes. Nice. Michael Nesmith's mother. Yes, she uh, she was working as an executive secretary in, in Dallas. And in the early 50s, she she basically came up with this formula of her own. It was mo- sounds like mostly white tempera paint base. Basically paint over her typing errors and retype it. And she started distributing it to the other So it was just secretaries. paint. She just repackaged yeah. Essentially, paint. essentially. But so she it became popular enough that she started selling it. It took a while, it sounds like. But after a few years, she was making millions and millions of dollars. And she, oh yes, God. she founded Liquid Paper. <laughs> wow. Yep. Wow. And so good for her. Betty Nesmith. Yeah. Graham. Yes. So. You go, girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we're getting a little bit trickier here. So uh, so just kind of bear with me. So we all know Velcro. Um, yes. We're yes. all familiar with Velcro. We've all used it. Um, and, you know, you get you probably even know that, that the word itself is trademarked. You know, that's why, like, if it's not Velcro brand, they have to say, you know, fabric connector or, yeah. you know some just <laughs> some generic yeah you know some hook and loop fastener or some generic yeah. term but velcro. Right. Velcro. velcro so velcro is a trademark term 
Where does the name Velcro I know come this. from? Oh, God, I read this. Oh. Dana, <laughs> wow. Dana, just on fire. It's like it's Frenchy words combined. It's like velour and crochet, like a hook. Fantastic! Like a, yes, wow. right on the nose. Nice. Absolutely correct. So yeah. it's a it's a portmanteau. It is a portmanteau word. That's right. Yeah. So it was uh, uh, invented in 1941 by Georges de Mestral. Um, and yeah, it is. It's it's a portmanteau word exactly for French for velour, velvet. And hook crochet velcro, wow. and nice. I lo- I thought that was fantastic. It sounds so I mean mass produced stuff. It yeah. just sounds so like American marketer. Yeah. It like, really does. Velcro, one of those automated names that yeah. a computer yeah. would have come up with, right? I almost but, thought that maybe it was the the dog's name. Ah. <laughs> so the story behind Velcro is that the inventor found burrs in his dog's fur. That's what gave him the idea for Velcro. Yeah, they'd credit that as a great example of a uh, biomimetic invention you know just oh inspired by right, nature right yeah. yeah inspired by copying nature um very yeah. cool before today i thought it was astronauts i thought nasa invented it but i think they just did tang <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah yeah also a very important invention it was, of our yeah. time it was nasa yes. that really first popularized the use of it i mean so uh, uh george de Mestral, he really envisioned it as like replacing zippers and clothing and it just didn't really catch <laughs> on really until nasa started catch using on. it uh, oh <laughs> it didn't catch on until nasa started using it for spacesuits was really but so a lot of people do do get credit nasa with inventing it Okay, moving on. Last one here. So this one may be a little tricky, but we'll, well work Well, Dana's probably going to get it. <laughs> yeah, I know. The way Dana's rock, rocking through these. All right. So uh, the escalator, as we know it, dates to, to around 1900. And it's, it's older, actually, than I thought as well. And, you know, the meaning seems pretty clear. An elevator elevates and escalator escalates. What is special? What is special about the word escalate? S. Karen. Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good guess. That is a good guess. Um, but it's wrong. I, I love this one. This is an example of where the word escalate didn't exist until there were escalators. Oh! And it is, in fact, the earliest recorded use of it as a verb, escalate, to escalate, didn't come until 40 years after escalator had been issued as a trademark. So it was a trademark term, kind of the way we were just Mm -hmm. talking about how Velcro can become generic. Escalator Mm -hmm. was the Otis Elevator Company's brand name for that device. And they, based on word roots but there was no verb escalate in that sense and it's it's wow. a it's a back formation is the linguistic term yes they retconned it wow that's that is very cool that's great all right we're gonna go round robin style each of us we're gonna share an interesting invention story and i'll go first because i'll get the gross stuff out of the way because that's, really <laughs> that's yes. kind of gross. why is it always stuff? gross stuff yeah, on our it's show always, it's always gross stuff um so i'm gonna be talking about uh the invention of the mass-produced men- <laughs> lady lady products uh, for menstruation, including uh, pads and tampons, and I mean obviously the practice of using an object to soak up blood in your hoo ha. That's a medical. Back- <laughs> that's a medical term. <laughs> dates back to like uh, ancient Egypt. The ancient Egyptians. It was recorded that they used some form of a disposable tampon using um, papyrus. Okay. And uh, even the Greek physician, uh, Hippocrates, no, Hippocrate. Yeah. Hippocrates. Hippocrates. So Mr. Hippocrates, uh, <laughs> in the 5th century BC, they talked about another type of kind of tampon, which is, <laughs> this sounds so uncomfortable, which is uh, a piece of wood 
and uh, with <laughs> stop with, right there <laughs> with lint wrapped around it. Well, at least they cushion oh. it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but really, the whole uh, mass production in disposable um, pads and tampons, like many other inventions, came out from war. During World War One, Kimberly Clark, as we know, the Kleenex and, and paper company, Kimberly Clark provided bandages for soldiers. And the, the bandages actually weren't made from cotton. They're cellulose from, from trees. And so they're cheaper and they're more disposable. So they use these wrappings to wrap up wounded soldiers and stuff. But the American nurses are pretty smart. They're like, wow, this stuff soaks up a lot of blood. It's that time of the month again. I'm having my lady troubles. And so they had lots of bandages. So they would take some bandage, roll it up, line their underwear with it. And uh, okay. yeah, very, very comfortable and very absorbent. Hmm. Kimberly Clark saw this because after the war, they're like, well, you know, we don't really need that many bandages anymore because the war's over. There's not a lot of wounded soldiers. But ladies still get their monthly present. Let's do some remarketing and rebranding. They spun off a whole different company called Kotex, mm. as we know, is one of the mm-hmm. big brands. And they made the first um, mass-produced disposable menstrual products. And Kotex is actually also a, a kind of a portmanteau word. It stands for a cotton-like texture. Oh. So Kotex. Because they didn't want you to be focusing on the fact that it came from paper, I guess? I think, or... well, I think it's it's having or a cellulose. name like that is better than calling this like menstrual pads. <laughs> and so yeah, all the females who go to the store to buy a, a pack of menstrual pads, I'd rather have it called like some fake word like Kotex mm-hmm. than... Uh, that sounds very scientific and accurate too. It does. It does. <laughs> it's kind of related to Kleenex too. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like Kotex Kleenex. And so the, the thing is when they were... M- at first, when they were marketing Kotex pads, is really interesting because they wanted to focus on the fact that it was came from war. So a lot of their <laughs> old ads are pictures of um, you know old vets and and, and uh, nurses taking care of men. Really? And yeah, so hmm. it's really strange. It wasn't like you know uh, like toaster ads where you're like, oh, make your home beautiful and you can entertain your guests. This was right. had a really interesting angle. This was part of war and you should have pride right, wow. wearing right. Kotex. American so ingenuity. Those, so many of those ads, though, that were aimed at women, kind of aimed at women before, though, were really aimed at men or women trying to please men. Yes. So, like, maybe that's why they were like, oh, you want to take care of soldiers when you're on your period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that's how the good old nurses did. You know, that's yeah. what they do. Do it for your country. Do it yeah. for this guy. Maybe he'll marry you. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and uh, tampons, actually, the modern tampon came from 1929. Mm. And it was invented by a specific uh, doctor. His name was Earl Haas. He basically had the patent for um, the, the device. The hmm. I don't know what you even call it. The I believe they call it an applicator. <laughs> oh, like the pusher upper, like a, <laughs> like a push plunger. <laughs> the patent description uh, was called the cattle menial device, derived from the Greek word oh. for monthly. And he uh, trademarked uh, Tampax and started mass producing Tampax huh. for tampons. Mm-hmm. Got the cool. gross stuff out of the Go way. Go cellulose. Yeah. 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 yeah, not it's not gross, but it's weird maybe. This is a weird one. I, I looked up Ouija boards. Like where did a Ouija huh. board come from? Uh. Ouija board was first patented in eighteen ninety by these two American inventors. What? 
I thought it was like a like an old you know <laughs> right. ritual stemmed yeah. from like right, Gaelic right. whatever you know like it has like some sort of occult yeah. root like authentic roots I thought well like the Ouija board itself has like the board with the alphabet on it and then there's also it comes with a planchet which is a little indicator thing and so planchet writing has existed uh, for a long time oh, okay. but they they kind of came up with that layout yeah they were oh. like oh we can package this and sell a board and stuff and so the first Ouija board came out. Um, in the States in 1901. It had a huge impact on American culture around that time. By the, by the time you get to 1920, there's actually a, a Ouija editor at the Baltimore Sun working on it. And I don't, wow. you know, I'm not gonna assume everybody knows what a Ouija board is, but basically you put your hands on this little device, the planche on the board and your hands are on the planche and you're supposed to let your mind drift, and then the the thing moves around, and but so, really, it's your moving well, it. <laughs> so, so believers would say like it's demons or spirits, and there's people who think it has to do with the occult, and they're and acting then, through you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then other. But people, really, it's a bunch of twelve year old girls who are like, "Well, Billy, ask me to the dance tomorrow," yeah. and it's like, "Oh yes," <laughs> and you feel your friend like moving it like yeah. strongly. <laughs> I swear I didn't move it. <laughs> oh, and the name Ouija. It, it's funny. There are two stories for where the name Ouija. Ouija came from. My favorite story is that the inventor was told this name by the board and that, it <laughs> <laughs> that it's ancient Egyptian. It for, named itself. For good luck. Yeah. And so. Is and it I, ancient Egyptian for good luck? I. I tried to find it. I could not find any ancient Egyptian <laughs> documents to back that up. I don't know where he got that either. And then, that's a good little marketing story. Yeah. Though, yeah. But then the other the other story, the one that's more widely accepted, is that it's combining the French and German words for yes. So we. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, that, that, yeah. You know, that we seems are. more likely to me. I have to yeah. say that. Yeah. Why is it called Ouija then? We are. We are. American pronunciation. It's ancient Egyptian. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know? Um, so my little tidbit has to do with the stethoscope. Um, the way the stethoscope was invented was by a French doctor in 1816 who had an overweight patient um, who was a young mm. woman that apparently had a heart condition mm. and he needed to listen to her heart. Back then, the way to listen to the heart was to use the percussion method, which was to tap. You put your ear to their back and you tap. (laughs) (laughs) Very precise. Scientific. Very precise. But he could not hear through her, well, her fat. (laughs) (laughs) And he also was very uncomfortable putting his head to her bosom. Oh, instead of the back. That was the the other way. Yeah, that's the other way you could listen or you could put your your ear. Sounds like a sweet gig for some male doctors, man. (laughs) (laughs) So he was too modest, too embarrassed to do that, so he decided to roll up a tube of paper and put one end to her chest and the other end to his ear. And it worked. He's like, that's amazing. I can hear oh. I can hear the heart. So that was the birth of the stethoscope. So like a few years later, he created a wooden cylinder that was the original stethoscope. I have another little bit of medical base on, on mine as well. So I was looking into air conditioning. Modern air conditioning that we have today not only cools the air, but it also sucks humidity out of the air, which is, is the main reason that it can feel so cool. But the first air conditioning, modern air conditioning device, I kind of find a record of, tra- goes back to when President James Garfield uh, was shot 
and an assassination attempt in 1881. So this was, uh, you know, this is back before there was a Secret Service. There wasn't, you know, there there wasn't like the the manic attention to presidential security that I mean, obviously we have now, but even 50 years ago, you know, even 1881, it was you know a lot more of a, a public figure, and so he was essentially he was in in Washington uh, Central Rail Station, and he was shot in an assassination attempt. He was a deranged man, it seems by all accounts, but you know he was shot in, and fell very very ill with infections was drifting in and out of consciousness for days doctors were at his bedside in the white house you know obviously very concerned <laughs> as he was laying there dying the other thing to keep in mind is this is 1881 this is the middle of summer this was july when in he was DC. shot in washington dc oh, which and is basically swamp weather it is mm-hmm. it is swamp weather extremely humid extremely hot and even by washington dc summer standards that particular summer was just swelteringly unbearable can't catch wow. a break <laughs> they were desperate to bring his temperature down. I mean, because obviously he's laying there dying and ill, and they dispatched the task to a Corps of Naval Engineers who basically had experience with ventilation systems. And oh. they, they brought them in and basically tasked them with, we need you to, to figure out how to cool off this room. It's like, he is going to die if we don't get something going on. And so what they did is they made a giant bucket, a huge iron box, really, of ice and mm-hmm. water and salt. The salt allows you to keep the water at a temperature below freezing without turning solid. So you can get the water super, super, super cold and still keep it liquid. This giant box, and they would lay some terry cloth over it that soaked the water up into it, sort of like panels almost. They constructed a series of ducts with a fan, and so the fan would draw air in from the outside and force it through the the terry cloth filters uh... soaked with the below freezing water. Then the air cooled was, you know, forced down into the president's uh, bedroom. Hmm. And uh, Sounds so elaborate. It does sound very elaborate, and, you know, it's certainly, they could bring to bear any resource they wanted. It was not an efficient system. They said um, <laughs> it went through a quarter of a million pounds of ice oh. in, in just under two months. Not an efficient system by any means. So if you have the means to deliver a quarter million pounds of ice, it, it can work. But it brought the temperature of the room down to uh, to an 80, 81 degrees, which for the hmm. middle of summer in 1881, in that particular summer, was actually pretty respectable. Wow, that okay. still sounds yeah. so hot. It does. Yeah. And again, I mean, keep in mind, they weren't dehumidifying the air either, which we mm. would, they were cooling yeah. it. So they were conditioning it, but but it was cold, colder. That's pretty much regarded as the, sort of the first, the birth of, of modern. What air happened to Mr. President? Well, you know, as those of you who have uh, studied history know, unfortunately, it didn't end well for uh, President Garfield. He did, he did die. He he, he held on for about two and a half months, uh, but he did die mm, until the um, ice ran out. <laughs> <laughs> he did die, unfortunately, of, of the injuries sustained by the shooting. So if there's any silver lining, it's at that, least he was comfortable. It, that's true. As comfortable. Mm-hmm. As it could be. That's right. That's right. All right. And so uh, here we're gonna, we have a quick list of things that are invi- uh, invented by accident. And uh, my, I don't know why I always choose uh, <laughs> vaguely sexual or gross things. <laughs> I know why you choose. <laughs> so uh, mine is about Viagra. So vaguely sexual. Eh? <laughs> Overtly. So Viagra didn't start out as an erection enhancing drug. It was actually for for chest pains or discomfort. Uh, right, cuz that's what it does, right? It just increases blood flow pretty much, right? Exactly. Uh. And so so <laughs> what is the prize for the first people you did? <laughs> so the, the, there was a, a Welsh village um, where they were test- I like this already. They, they were they were testing this drug, you know, for for the hard working uh, workers in this Welsh village, and they all came back reporting like, 
whoa. <laughs> whoa, you guys. Sure, my chest pain is gone, but something else is going on. That's not cool I'm at work. <laughs> and they all reported that they had really... Uh, uh, I don't even know. Erections, erections. Yes, yes. Yeah. Wow. That lasts a long time. Unexpectedly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so... So I, I want to know, I mean, they always have in the commercials. I mean, I don't know. I watch more like guy-oriented programming. Like, I, mean, I, mean, I'm, I probably see more Viagra commercials than you guys do because they have them during sports and, you know, die, <laughs> die, die hard reruns. I'm, I'm serious. I, I'm serious. They do. It's, it's like, true, you just it's watch true. guy programming, you'll see Viagra commercials. But, you know, they always have the note at the end, like, for an erection lasting longer than four hours, contact your doctor. I want to know, like, in that test study, like, the, the first guy who had to have that, he's like, Doc, listen, I mean, at first I thought this was cool, but this is seven hours now. <laughs> I got to get some work done. <laughs> Productivity wasn't very high in that village for a while. <laughs> so um, the invention I found that somebody made by mistake was bubble wrap. And actually, bubble wrap was invented by two dudes who wanted to make plastic textured wallpaper. What? Oh. Yeah, and apparently they did, but nobody wanted it. Which <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> Except stoners. Stoners were like, "I will well, buy every inch you have of that." <laughs> yeah, that's a funny thing. Like now, I think it would be fun to be in a bubble wrap room and just like throw yourself at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's gonna be in your house for ten years, it'll get squished in the first week or so, and then what do you do? Why would you need a plastic textured wallpaper? It's, they were making everything with plastic. It was 1957. Oh, they, they were just it. trying everything. Because you know, plastic was a big deal. Yeah. It looks like, like a spaceman house would have it does. that. It like, sounds very space age, yeah. Easy yeah. to clean. They figured out that it would make good packaging material, and then they they tested it out with people, and eventually they were able to just have that be their company. Made a ton of money. I like that. Wow. Yeah. Another um, accidental invention is cornflakes. Um, corn flakes were they're great. Oh no, yeah, that's, no, that's, that's Ross, frosted flakes. Uh, <laughs> um, wait, does, does corn flakes have a slogan? Um, they have a rooster. Yeah, they have the little rooster. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're made by the same company, aren't they? Aren't I mean, aren't frosted flakes just, just corn, corn, corn flakes with sugar on yeah. them? Kellogg's. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Um, corn flakes were discovered by the Kellogg brothers. They were making bread for a sanatorium. <laughs> mm, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. that's a whole nother episode. Kellogg and his crazy pants. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so they were making uh, new diets for all the patients there, and they were vegetarian diets. They had to leave some of the cooked wheat out while they were tending to some of the patients. Mm. And I guess they left it out too long um, because the texture, when they rolled it out, the texture of the dough became very flaky. Mm. And it's like, oh, I don't know what... Uh, what to do with this? Feed it to them anyway. Yeah, exactly. Well, they were they were short on money, so they're like, let's just bake it anyway. Let's see what happens. <laughs> so they bake it anyway, and um, what comes out are these crispy flakes. And they decide to serve it to the patients to see if they like it, and everyone loved it. Mm. Oh, hence cornflakes. I like that. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. 
Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. So earlier we talked about, well, I, I talked about how... Uh, Henry Ford sounds kind of like an a-hole, but really, in the world of invention, there is one master a-hole. <laughs> oh, we, uh, we don't need to go that far. And <laughs> his name Colin. is... Colin. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> his name is uh, Mr. Thomas Edison. No doubt a brilliant, brilliant man and a brilliant inventor. But, but, but that's the thing. He actually didn't invent a lot of the things that he was credited for. Certainly, I, I think that he, you know, he has uh, crazy amounts of patents associated to him, and and a, a lot of the things that he did come up with were, you know, improvements on other designs, or you know, I mean, there is, I think, a gray area of whether you're stealing someone's idea or not. But you know, what, what was more interesting to me was reading about his his business tactics and the way that he interacted with people who kind of tried to help him or you know be his colleagues. So, <laughs> so you know, obviously, we all associate uh, Edison with. The incandescent light bulb, you know, yep. and again, he he didn't necessarily invent it, but he really kind of just made the first practical one, kind of perfected, and, and obviously is associated with it in history. Um, because Tesla actually, so Tesla was involved, invented. yeah. Te I mean, and Tesla, you know, Nikola Tesla, who who did work with uh, Edison um, when he first came uh, to America, uh, ended up working with his labs, and they had a bit of a falling out over. Basically, it comes down to the differences between DC direct current and AC alternating current. Edison built his empire on DC, on direct current, and which was great for some of the stuff that he invented, but it could only travel, you know, a couple oh, miles without yeah. losing power. You know, sort of the implication that I get from reading is that there were things that he just we didn't feel comfortable figuring out because he didn't have the math background, but yeah. he was scared of the high voltage of AC and Tesla. Fair enough. Yeah. Hey, yeah. you know, I, I would be too, especially yeah. if you're the first guy trying to do it. <laughs> but, you know, so Tesla working for him kind of offered, you know, he's like, look, I, I can help you. I can help make AC work for you. And, you know, the story, this is Tesla's version oh, of the story. Poor Tesla. Widely reported is that Edison, you know, basically said to him, he's like, that's great. You know, if you can get something working like that, you know, that could, yeah, that'll be worth $50,000 to you. You know, the, and oh, mm -hmm. so Tesla's yeah. like, great goes away, makes it work, comes back. He's like, hey, boss, here's you go. I came up with, and where's my money, you know? And Edison kind of is like, well, it's, you know, this, this looks pretty good, but this is impractical, and basically I'm not going to pay you. And oh. he's like, but you said you're going to pay me. And Edison, you know, various where's versions. Where's my money? He basically, Edison dismissed it as, you know, Nicola, you just don't understand the American sense of humor. Is what? <laughs> oh. oh, snap. Okay. What? Worst client ever. Worst boss ever. <laughs> yeah. So needless to say, yeah, I mean, he, he offered him sort of a token reward for it, but te Tesla pretty much said, piss off, and, and yeah. went on his own way. To, and among other things, to 
Tesla and uh, eventually um, his knowledge was bought by George Westinghouse, you know, and we still know the name Westinghouse, Westinghouse mm-hmm. Electric, um, who was an industrialist, and he was really a big proponent of AC power and bought some of Tesla's patents and wanted to build his own system of AC distribution to compete with Edison's little DC giant. And Edison was getting very nervous about this, was willing to go to any length that he could to kind of fight this. So Edison, (laughs) dick move, basically. Edison decided, okay, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to promote Westinghouse's version of AC as a means of killing things and people. Uh, and his thinking I mean, was it's smart. It's, it's smart, smart and but it's, it's so disingenuous. His thinking was if I can get the public to associate alternating current and Westinghouse with death, they'll uh, never want to have this piped into their homes oh, and I'll be able to maintain my DC empire. Oh, that's so crafty. It is crafty yeah. and what a dick move but and it's so genius it is brilliantly <laughs> dick move and he would over so i mean some incredible things the lengths that he went to he basically would fund public uh displays of electrocution of animals <gasps> it, oh, many oh many God. i know karen as a dog lover this is hard for you but many stray dogs were put oh to God. death um and, oh an God. elephant was put to death uh, <gasps> all of this essentially wow. backed by edison and his you know, cronies, cronies or colleagues as a way of showing to the public, look how dangerous this AC is. It kills you. He agitated to yeah. have the process of being uh, put to death in electric chair Westinghoused. Oh like my he, God. Was, he, wanted, is, wow. he really wanted to promote every association he could um, with this. There are whole stories of how they wanted to show it was more humane. And you can imagine all the gory ways <laughs> that the, the inexact science of trying look. to electrocute a human could go wrong. Oh, yeah. um, ultimately, obviously or maybe not so obviously but ultimately ac won out it was it was too easy to scale and too easy to distribute over long distances compared to dc so the irony of it all is that it ended up being used for killing people and for powering our homes Um, but not despite edison's best efforts to foil it he tried it does it is an effective killer though he wasn't wrong yeah (laughs) just shady it's time for our final segment we're gonna do some movie quiz and you know your usual movie quote quiz would you know I, I would say the quote and you would guess the movie let's let's shake it up a little bit and i'm actually going to name the movie and this is out of um the american <laughs> film institute afi's top 100 greatest movie quotes ah, okay. and okay. it's rated so i'm going to say the name of the movie and you're going to tell me what quote made it onto the list okay um, right the right. tricky thing is a lot of these movies have multiple quotes yeah and i want you guys tell me what the highest rated wow. one is. Wow. Okay. Okay. A little right. different. We'll right. see how it goes. Oh, all right. A buzzer's right. here. Okay. Well, all we're right. going to buzz and uh, let's start off with easy. But then again, you know, who knows? Okay. 1972, The Godfather. <laughs> Colin. I'm going to make an offer he can't refuse. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and The Silence of the Lambs. I'm like, oh, what's the whole quote? Something with father beans. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You can't do that. You gotta tell me the quote. I have to tell you that. Oh, I'm gonna suck at this. (laughs) I can tell you the gist. Oh, no, go ahead. Come on, come on. I'm gonna assume it's that father beans one. uh, I uh, I ate his liver with some father beans and a nice Chianti. Correct. You have to make the sound, too. <laughs> so it's not it puts the lotion in the basket that wasn't the number <laughs> <laughs> that's a good quote too. yes so 
Gone with the Wind. Courtney? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Nice. A lot of, so that's the number one quote. Um, hmm. out of this a- AFI's 100 best quote. That's number one. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Hmm. But Gone with the Wind was also, um, some of the other quotes from that movie were also on the list, including, as God is my witness. I'll never, mm-hmm. hungry I'll again. never be hungry again. And after all, tomorrow, tomorrow is another day. All right, all right. <laughs> I forgot about that one. And uh, here's another one. <laughs> Casablanca. Oh. Right. Courtney. Play it again, Sam. Incorrect. Oh. <laughs> It's uh, isn't it just play it, Sam? Incorrect. Mm. Oh, is it out of all the bars in the world? Oh, she looks- <laughs> you're, not, you're not good at repeating. It. <laughs> I'm not. I, I only know. I only kind of listen to what people you say. Know, the, the point of a quote is to get all the words. <laughs> I might have stumbled on it. I the one you're talking about is uh, out of all the gin joints. Yeah, mm. uh, she walked oh, into right, mine. Right. Um, that is incorrect. Mm. Courtney. Oh. Here's looking at you, kid. Correct. Oh, <laughs> nice, nice. Correct. You know, I was going to say, here's looking at you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Quote mashups. Uh, let's go a little bit more uh, modern, more recent. When Harry met Sally. I'll have what she's having. Oh. Correct. You oh, just yeah. That's good. That's Yay. good. This and, is right. particularly after Meg Ryan does the the fake female orgasm at right, the diner. Right. And the little bit of trivia that I believe that's Rob Reiner's mother who delivers that line. I'm pretty sure the I'll have what she's having. I believe that's the one of the tidbits. And Rob Reiner directed. directed. Yes, Dur- that's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. Rob Reiner directed and got his mom a, a, a quote on the all-time top AFI yeah. quotes list. Wow. <laughs> okay, and this is uh, the last one. And this is first movie that's on this quote list um, that's made in the 2000s. Oh, okay. Mm. Okay. and it's Lord of the Rings: Two Towers. Oh, um, they all run together. Yeah, um, it, yeah. Um, okay, Courtney, you shall not pass. Oh, oh good guess. Right. Incorrect, because oh. you shall not pass is in the first movie. The first yeah, that's that's the thing. I can't place some of these quotes into the. Uh, um, the, so this this is the second one, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do not know. By the power of grace, God. <laughs> <laughs> it is two words. Two. Oh, 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 oh. My precious. Correct. Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> Very good. I think same all three moment. of us at the same time. Yep. Good job, everybody. That was our... Uh, Name the quote that from the good. movie. That yeah, that's a good one. And that's the end of our show. So thank you guys for joining me, and thank you listeners for uh, listening in. <laughs> Hope you guys learned a thing or two about inventions. Actually, lots of things to learn about inventions <laughs> in this episode. You can find us on Zoom, on iTunes, and also on our website, which is goodjobbrain.com. And we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.